Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Today on Parts Per Billion, all is not well down on the farm. We talk about the pesticide problems that are pitting neighbor against neighbor and try to figure out who's to blame. Hello, welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, Bloomberg BNA's environmental policy podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Schultz. So nobody really likes weeds, kind of by definition. If someone liked them, they wouldn't be called weeds, they'd be called crops. Farmers especially don't like weeds because these unwanted plants compete with whatever they're trying to grow, whether it's corn, or cotton, soybeans, whatever. So farmers are always looking for a better way to get rid of weeds. And recently they got a new weapon from some of the big agrochemical companies, think Monsanto, DuPont, BASF. It's a weed-killing chemical called dicamba, and it works pretty well. The only problem is it may be working too well because in addition to killing weeds, it also kills the crops of farmers whose neighbors use the chemical. So this has led to a lot of finger pointing about who's to blame, especially in northeastern Arkansas, where dicamba has caused the most crop damage. Bloomberg BNA's Tiffany Stecker actually just went out to that part of Arkansas to see firsthand what's been going on, and she's now back and joins us here in D.C. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, David. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, a lot of farmers are having a tough time fighting weeds, especially the new weeds that are now resistant to the standard chemicals that farmers have been using for a long time. So how is dicamba supposed to solve this problem of these weeds that don't respond to, to other chemicals? So farmers have had a really hard time killing weeds um, because the current herbicides that are on the market have been used uh, so frequently that the weeds have evolved to resist them. So um, Monsanto, BASF, and other companies have generally been kind of going back and looking at older herbicides and reformulating them, tinkering with the chemistry, and re-releasing them uh, as new formulations to help farmers beat these weeds. It's kind of like when you have like an antibiotic, like if you have you know, an antibiotic, it becomes resistant, you have to go to another uh, drug that can kill whatever bacteria you're trying to kill. Right, and it's very expensive and very time-consuming to come up with a whole new herbicide. So it makes sense that these companies would try to uh, make do with what they already have. So Monsanto and BASF and DuPont, but mostly Monsanto and BASF are really the big players here, took dicamba, changed it, or, or reformulated it to fit farmers' needs today. Um, most specifically, they changed it so that it could be used with Monsanto's genetically engineered uh, seeds, cotton and soybeans, 
to be used so that those seeds, when they're grown, they're not affected by the dicamba. So that that's really important because this is that kind of plays into what happened down there. That these the what what these companies did is that they took these uh, seeds, they genetically engineered them so the the crops wouldn't be affected by the by dicamba. So you could spray dicamba on your whole field, the seeds wouldn't, or you know, your crops wouldn't die, but everything else would. And uh, I get the sense that that's not everything went according to plan with that. Well, what happened? Well. The companies say they worked really hard to reduce what's called the volatility of dicamba. Dicamba is notoriously volatile. It means that it evaporates very quickly and can spread, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of feet to other fields and then drop back down and affect crops there. It basically, like, you know, goes from a liquid on a hot day, it turns into a gas, and then it can just go anywhere. Right. That's it. So they worked really hard to try to reduce the volatility, and they marketed this new dicamba as low volatility. Um, but what we've seen, is, and this is actually disputed, I should say, is that this dicamba is moving off target, as they call it. So it's going to places where it's not supposed to be. Not only is it affecting these soybeans that are not genetically modified and therefore not protected, it's affecting trees, it's affecting crops, tomatoes. Um, so it's really affecting both agriculture and non-agricultural plants. So you were just down there. You, you just got back uh, from a trip down there. What did you see when, when you went down there? Did you see crops that had been damaged? Yes, I uh, visited a farmer called David Wildey. He is a very successful farmer. He's quite severely hit by dicamba. He planted, as most farmers, you know, most farmers kind of make decisions based on their individual situation. They're not 100% one way, 100% the other. So uh, David Wilde planted some crops that were dicamba resistant, some not. And earlier this year, he estimated his loss to be around a million dollars. Wow. that's one, And that's a one individual farmer with a million dollar loss. Um, it sounds like there's a disagreement about who's to, to blame, though, because you just mentioned you know these companies really worked hard to try to take this old chemical and make it less volatile, less likely to, to go off of where it's supposed to be. Um, it, are are the, the chemical makers to blame here, or, or is it the farmers who are spraying the chemical? Are they doing it wrong? Like, what's going on? So we really don't know. They're, the, the companies will say, we don't think it's volatility. We worked really hard on this product. We think that um, either farmers are not properly trained to use this, or they're not using the right nozzle, they're not, um, you know, spraying at the right time of the day, which are all things that can be controlled, right? Volatility is very, very hard to control. It's very, very hard to control, and based on what's been happening, it seems like it's probably not being controlled. So whose fault was this? Who should be held accountable? We'll get to that in a minute, but first we wanted to remind you about this thing we've been doing here at Parts Per Billion. We started our own hashtag that you can use if you want to reach out to us on Twitter. That hashtag is parts per B. So tag your tweets with hashtag parts per B, and we'll see them and respond, and then you can respond back. It's a conversation. So it's up on Twitter using the hashtag parts per B. Right, so we're chatting with Bloomberg BNA's Tiffany Stecker about problems with the weed killer dicamba. She said the makers of this pesticide, Monsanto, BASF, and others, 
blaming the problems on Arkansas ag regulators who didn't approve the newest version of the chemical and didn't require in-person training for farmers. However, independent scientists in Arkansas who study pest issues came to very different conclusions. They're pretty convinced that this is volatility. They've done a lot of testing to show that this product does volatilize and over a couple days and can travel pretty far. So you've got, you know, Monsanto saying, hey, the, you know, regulators in the state kind of, you know, hamstrung us and they didn't let us kind of do what we needed to do to, to make this product more, more safe. Whereas the researchers are saying, um, you know, this product is just so volatile and so prone to like moving off of the farm. There's nothing you can do to prevent it from damaging, you know, neighboring crops. But regardless of sort of who's to blame, what's being done to prevent this from happening again? Because, you know, we're at the end of a, a, you know, or we're nearing the end, I guess, of a farming season. You know, they're going to be uh, planting uh, starting next spring. What's being done to prevent this from, from happening again and having widespread crop damage for yet another year? Arkansas has put together a task force to set, make re- recommendations. Just last week, they came up with a few recommendations, one of which was no spring after April 15th. Uh, this date was set because it's still relatively cool in the springtime. And part of the problem is that farmers are potentially up spraying this in the summer months when it's hot. Uh, the issue with that April 15th date is that it's earlier than when most farmers would need it for soybeans. A lot of farmers start growing in, in that region in May. Uh, so that task force is putting together a uh, report to send to the governor in the next few weeks. We'll see com- what comes out of that and what's ultimately decided by the plant board. They have the final say in that state. On the federal level, EPA is also investigating these reports of da- damage. The thing with how EPA registered these pesticides was that they... Uh, did what's called a provisional registration, which was only a two-year registration. So if they decide that these herbicides are causing too many problems, they can't be on the market, then they just let this registration expire at the end of 2018, so at the end of next year. Um, And then, you know, are there any sort of lessons that can be learned, or do you think that that what happened here over the last couple years with this widespread reports of crop damage, lots of conflict between farmers... Um, do you think that that will change the way that farmers or chemical companies or the EPA or whoever goes about, um, you know, the chemical or the pesticide approval process? Or do you think that because there's so much uncertainty here that we just, nothing will really happen. It'll just be kind of the status quo all over again. Well, I think the bigger takeaway on this is that farmers are just desperate for options. You know, these weeds, uh, really hamper on their yields, and they are they don't have a lot of herbicides they can rely on, and there's not a lot of research and development in finding a new mechanism for killing weeds because it's so expensive, and companies often can't recoup the costs of all of that um, research. So I think that. Um, you know, regulators and farmers and industries are going to have to find more options, whether they're chemical or, um, you know, there are other means of getting rid of these weeds. So you think it's that farmers are saying to themselves, you know, I've 
there's a chance if I use this this uh, chemical that I can buy, it might hurt my neighbor's crops and you know make some, some real enemies here. But like I have these weeds, I don't know how to deal with them. There's no new chemicals coming on the market. I have to do what I have to do. Is that sort of the the mindset down there? Right. Uh, there are op- um, alternatives to dicamba. The issue is that with that is that eventually weeds are going to uh, evolve res- resistance to that. So I think people are saying we need to think big, and uh, think and think of a whole new way of battling this problem. Yeah. All right. That was Bloomberg BNA's agricultural reporter Tiffany Stecker talking about weed problems in Arkansas. For more for reporting on pesticides, GMOs, and other ag issues, visit our website at bna.com. This episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself with help from Rachel Daigle, Patrick Ambrosio, and Jessica Coombs. The music for Parts Per Billion is A Message and IMO by Jazar. They were used under a Creative Commons attribution share like license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.